Dante Greco. Dante is a really smart guy. And ladies love Dante. I wanted hair. Look at that face. Dante Greco. Dante was me, yours truly. I'm gonna come. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Dante Greco Show live. I see I got a couple commenters already. Hello, Louisiana. Hello, Yosemite, California. Thank you for joining us. You know, this Kohlberger, Idaho case, every day I wake up and read something just even crazier. Uh, the details keep coming out. It's it more disturbing, of course. Um, I said this on the last show, like I, I feel even worse about this whole thing now that we know that the, uh, the, the uh, Idaho four, as most people are calling them, were at least most likely uh, awake, some of them. So it, it, it makes it tough. But, you know, we're going to try to uh, just discuss everything that went on. I made a video where I analyzed the voice of uh, the alleged voice of Brian Koberger calling into a podcast and also a TikTok that he supposedly made. However, some of my great commenters and viewers let me know on the previous video that the guy who made the TikTok has posted since Koberger's arrest. And so they don't think that it's him. So I guess we can dispel. <laughs> I'm all guys, please. I'm doing the show. Mocha, Luna, please. Okay. Um, those are my dogs. So they, um, they're, they're saying that this guy is not, it's not Koberger on the TikTok. So I, I'd always thought that it probably wasn't because the voice sounded too different. It was similar enough, but different enough that I didn't think it was Koberger, especially after we heard him speak in court and even on the, uh, poor audio quality, uh, Indiana cop body cam videos. So the guy, you know, I mean, look, he made the video. He may have been an insider, the TikTok guy. Josco197, one nine, oh, Josco1972, that's his name. Uh, he appears to have gone private because I tried to go to his page. Now, when I went to find his page, I, I Googled him, as you can see, and I saw that Josco also apparently has... Um, posted some videos from what looks like a harry styles concert now i don't know about you but i don't see brian koberger in the pit at a harry styles concert and uh uploading it to tiktok so i think just based on that we can rule josco 1972 out as brian koberger the the, the podcast though i agree with the uh, people commenting the podcast did sound like him a lot. Maybe I'll play the podcast again a little bit later. Uh, but let's just get to the updated news. First of all, I read this. I was a little surprised because the cops are saying that they are puzzled by the eight-hour window before Dylan Mortensen and uh, the other surviving roommate, Bethany. Uh, her last name escapes me right now, but before they called the cops. See, I had figured that they you know, Dylan had told them this is why, and the cops were just trying to protect her. Now, again, I, I, I still don't put any blame on Dylan for not calling the cops, the shock, the fear, the feeling of hallucinating the trauma, like any number of reasons could have caused her to not call the police and first responders 
did say that it would not have been uh, made a difference in terms of saving the lives of the victims had she called the cops any sooner. But it is just a little weird. I was surprised to see the cops say that they are also puzzled by this. Cops are still puzzled about why a surviving roommate in the University of Idaho quadruple murder waited eight hours after the slaughter to call police. Uh, she opened her bedroom door to see an unknown figure clad in black clothing, which, by the way, a lot of people have pointed out. You know, when I first heard it, I thought like, oh, threw open the door and looked outside and the guy, they made eye contact. She saw bushy eyebrows and then he left. She probably cracked it open, you know, because she had been hearing crying. She had been hearing uh, an unknown male voice. She heard someone say, someone's here. So it was probably just a little crack, a little peek in the dark. And the guy, uh, Koberger, or allegedly Koberger, may not have ever even seen her. Which, again, why the cops said that the surviving roommates were asleep on the first floor and no one saw him because they were trying to, um, they were trying to, uh, you know, do a, what do you call it? Misdirection. Misdirection. Anyways, the eight-hour gap has been something that we have puzzled over. We don't know if it was an issue of intoxication or of fear. Well, that too. You know, she may not have gone out. She may not have known how horrific the scene was in the rest of the apartment. And she may have been high, she may have been drunk, she may have been doing something illegal, and you panic, and you rationalize, uh, you create rationalizations, you justify it in your mind. She goes back, people said maybe she didn't have the phone with her. It's like any number of reasons. I still don't like when people are trying to assign blame to Dylan Mortensen. It's a situation um, very few of us have ever been in. Actually, I did see a woman on um, the Daily Mail who said that where the hell is it all right let me let me let me find that this it was a woman who survived something like this and so she said she she sympathizes with dylan here it is no god daily mail just keeps updating okay here she is here she is buffalo university student who found sorority sister in blood-soaked room defends idaho roommate Amid questions why she waited six hours to call cops after coming face-to-face -face with the killer. I live with the guilt. So let's see what she has to say. Alana Zabel found her sorority sister and roommate close to death in 1992. Psychologists told her that the delayed response was a coping mechanism. So she's coming out and saying that that is kind of what happened with Dylan. Dylan could have been sitting there like, Hey, you know, if I don't report this, if I don't do anything, maybe it's not real. You know, maybe I'll, I'll snap out of it. Who knows? I am also curious why we haven't heard much about the, uh, the other surviving roommate. Like, where was she? What was she doing? She may have been asleep on the first floor for all we know, but again, not accusing her, but where, where was she? Uh, she slammed critics of Dylan Mortensen saying people don't know how they'd react in a similar situation. Yeah, she can relate to the anguish. Anyways, point is, it's uh, it's a little, it's still, even at this late stage, premature to try to assign any blame to Dylan Mortensen, in my opinion. That's just how I feel about it. But, you know, to each his own. Uh, it was interesting as well, talking about Dylan, because Steve Gonzalez, Kaylee's father, spoke to uh, NBC about Dylan. And... In a way, he kind of confirmed, 
you know, obviously this isn't like as official as the police confirming it, but he kind of confirmed what the rumors were about the 911 call and why the call came in from an unconscious for an unconscious person, which had everyone scratching their heads. Um, Steve told NBC, I think it's another victim of this crime. My heart goes out to her and she came up to me in different celebrations of life. And she showed herself to me that she didn't behave in a fashion of somebody who was involved in something like this. I still think that she's just a girl that was scared, froze up. Um, he also talked about what happened during the 911 call later that day. Right. So here we go. Cause we've all been wondering when are they going to release the 911 call? Uh, someone says, did Dylan think business as usual for the household? Well, you know, living in a frat house, they've released, by the way, some police body cam footage from like a month or two before the murders where cops had to show up for a loud party and the people come to the door. Now, they may have been lying, but like some young guys come to the door like, yeah, the owners aren't even here. You know, they left to go to a different party. So it's kind of a party house. I was never in a frat and I, I never really lived with people like that. Um, but, you know. Friends come over, strangers come over, people come in through the house. So it's not, I don't think, unusual for people that you don't know to be in your house, which is why I never wanted to live in a situation like that. Luckily, I was able to, you know, scrape my way and, uh, and, and live alone for the most part. But uh, getting back to what Mr. Gonsalves said, you got to remember, talking about the 911 call, you got to remember these two girls were so upset that when they went outside after seeing this, it wasn't very legible. They couldn't quite understand what these girls were seeing. One passed out and the other one was hyperventilating that the message wasn't clear enough for the operator. So remember, this was on Reddit and then, you know, Twitter, 4chan, all of them, that the reason, an explanation for why the call came in for an unconscious person was because they ran outside and one of them passed out and the other one was hyperventilating. And people said, no, that's not true. That's too complicated. It's too ridiculous. As we're increasingly finding out in this case, nothing is too ridiculous in this case. I mean, let's not forget that the guy's a criminology PhD student who applied to work with the police. I mean, it sounds like a script. Anyways, I continue. Um, and the other one was hyperventilating and she's just a girl that was scared until I know better. That's how I'm going to treat it. So, you know, if that's good enough for Steve. It's good enough for me. Are you guys even seeing what I'm reading? Oh shit. You know, I got to get a new streaming service. <laughs> Where the hell is it? My bad. Well, you guys heard what I said, right? You didn't have to read it. People that are just listening. All right, I got to fix my hair. So that was interesting. Um, speaking of Brian Koberger, the jail will try to accommodate his vegan diet. Check this out. You know, he's a an OCD vegan, according to those who know him. He won't eat food out of pots and pans that have had meat cooked in them of course the uh county jail staff is saying that we're not going to buy new pots and pans or anything like that so luckily for us brian is going to be uh, stuck with you know maybe some meat residue no offense to any vegans of course i actually mostly eat kind of a vegan diet so i i get it but 
And I found this uh, prison food in America, Idaho actually has a pretty good, I think they were ranked number one on the top 10 vegetarian friendly prisons on, uh, on PETA's website, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Idaho offers a lentil shepherd's pie, a vegan pizza, a vegan Mexican pie, soy patties, soy sausage, veggie loaf, veggie lasagna, veggie meatballs, veggie hotcakes, vegan biscuits, cookies, cakes, pies, and puddings. So if you are a vegan and you have to go to jail, do it in Idaho. Now, this is good news, I suppose. The BTK serial killer shooting down his daughter's claim that Brian Koberger contacted him. This comes from TMZ. Now, I saw some people on Twitter questioning the veracity of this communication between BTK and TMZ. But trust me, I worked there for 10 years they're very thorough. They're not going to put something like this out unless it's true. So they emailed the uh, BTK killer, Dennis Rader. His name was scary enough. Dennis Rader. He didn't need to be the BTK. He fired off an email to TMZ from prison after we reached out to him about a recent News Nation article. No on Koberger all around. In response to his daughter, Carrie Rawson, telling News Nation reporter Brian Enton, she was pretty shocked there was potentially a connection to my father. I'm wondering, Brian Enton's been out there a long time, by the way, the News Nation guy. I wonder if he's thinking of buying a house out there. Anyways, Rawson also said she thought Brian was likely influenced by BTK since he studied under Ramsland. Yeah, I mean, he probably was influenced by the BTK killer. I like that he didn't, according to BTK, that Koberger didn't communicate with him because, you know, we don't need BTK directly assisting with any more murders. BTK could be lying, but, you know, who knows? What does he have to lose? You know, he's not getting out. Um, yeah, so she said he was likely influenced by BTK. BTK agreed, stating, I had thought someone may have studied me. He also gave props to the Idaho investigators for nabbing a suspect, meaning Koberger. He went on to share his personal torment about not connecting with his family. My family don't communicate with me at all. I love them all very much and be happy if one did. Well, should have thought about that when you were buying, torturing, and killing people. I mean, come on. You think that's going to end, end up in a positive way? Like, what the fuck? As you know, he killed 10 people. He was finally captured. So anyways, he said that he has not communicated with Koberger. That's not to say that Koberger wasn't influenced by him. Uh, another person who thought Koberger was influenced by a serial killer was Paul Holes. Now, Paul Holes, if anyone ever followed the story of the Golden State Killer, which I did, I found it on Reddit like three or four years before he was caught. And I was like following it and regularly checking for updates. When they caught the guy, I couldn't believe it. It was insane because like he, he he was technically old enough to be dead, but young enough that he could still be alive. So when they caught him, it, it was incredible. Paul Holes says that he thinks that he was uh, influenced by the Golden State Killer because they had some similar kind of uh, traits when it came to their murder. Let me pull this up once again. Got to get a better streaming thing. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get a different streaming thing or maybe I'll like hire somebody. Nope, wrong one, wrong one. That's the, that's the call again. 
What do you guys think? Old man, yeah. He was old. Yeah, and that's what I was saying. Uh, you're saying he was busted by family DNA. So they found him. Well, let's hear what Paul Holes has to say first. So Paul Holes was like the lead investigator on this for years. There are parallels here with Kohlberger and D'Angelo. You know, D'Angelo went to school and got his degree in criminal justice. He became an, inter an intern at Roseville PD and then ultimately was a cop while he's committing fetish burgs and numerous sexual assaults in, in Northern California. Here, Kohlberger's doing the same thing. In addition, look at the crime that Kohlberger has been accused of. It's going into a residence at a time when the occupants are likely going to be asleep or falling asleep and then killing them. That's exactly what the Golden State Killer was doing. I would not be surprised if Kohlberger actually studied D'Angelo and the Golden State Killer case. I felt the same way. Like I, I felt before we caught Kohlberger, I, I thought that there were some similarities between him and the Golden State Killer. Now we know it's criminology student. They must have gone over the Golden State Killer case at one point. Um, so it was interesting. I see someone says the, do you think there will be enough to convict? I'm seeing many sources that are really skeptical. You know, Mark Garagos was saying Mark Garagos, who represented Scott Peterson, led him to the, uh, death row. I believe, uh, I like Garagos, by the way, I used to see Garagos all the time when Chris Brown, he represented Chris Brown, the R and B artist. And I would always be there in court filming the cases for TMZ and I would see Garagos all the time for years. I didn't think he recognized me until years later. I, I, I ran into him. He's like, of course I know who you are. I saw your face every day. Um, where is this other article that I was looking for? So Garagos was saying that you could drive a Mack truck through some of the holes in this affidavit. I'm not so convinced that it's that that bad i mean the thing is the sheath was his father's dna so as of now they they matched the, his father's dna from the trash oh yeah and then that's what i was saying about the uh, golden state killer how they caught the golden state killer by getting some of his dna from his trash so it makes me think well koberger was observed with plastic with, with uh, surgical gloves taking the trash out to the neighbor's bins at 4 a.m he must have been aware that digging through the trash was a way to find him and that he might have gotten that from the Golden State Killer, for all we know. Has anyone checked in with the Golden State Killer to see if uh, Koberger wrote him any emails? You know, I would email him in a TMZ style, except I don't want the Golden State Killer knowing my name. I mean, this is the Dante Greco show. I mean, was, you know, I know he's locked up forever, but who knows? He could send a kite through the prison and have someone come get me, so... I'll hold off, but if anyone else out there wants to do it, please and send me the results. Um, where's the article with Garagos? Garagos, Garagos. Stop that. Ever hear of John Collins, Ann Arbor co ed killer in 1969? One girl left in Ypsilanti, Michigan graveyard, found out by DNA years later, committed by old man free with family. There's so many of those going on right now. Um, like people who committed murders 50 years ago and lived their lives and thought they were never going to get caught, like they're all getting caught now. 
They're all getting caught, which is good. Which is good. It's like everyone is turning into like one of those old, um, you know, how they keep catching like old people who worked in the concentration camps. And it's like, no, we're still going to get you. You still will stand trial. We don't care how old you are. Okay. So Garagos. Getting back to the DNA thing, it was his father's DNA where they made the match and, and concluded that it was close enough to be Koberger's. Now, the thing is, that's what we know so far. But obviously, they're searching and taking Co- Brian's, Christopher Koberger's DNA, and they're going to match it to other stuff. I- I'm convinced that they are. Um, criminal defense lawyer Mark Garagos noted that while the DNA found on the sheath is significant, there's a lot more DNA work that still needs to be processed and analyzed. The fact that there was a DNA single source, it looks like on the sheath, and the way they tied it to the suspect is they rummaged through the trash in Pennsylvania and they did a comparison and found out that it would not exclude the father to a pretty good number he also said that investigators went to great lengths to place a phone and vehicle belonging to Koberger near the crime scene in the early morning hours of November 13th through records obtained via search warrants. Yeah, and I saw an interview with him where he was saying, like, look, the phone pings, they're not the most reliable evidence because it can ping from different cell towers in, like, different areas. He showed an example in court. If you go to his, he has a uh, podcast called Beyond a Reasonable Doubt that Mark Garagos does, and he discussed it saying that he had a case where they showed in court the cell phone signal picked up from one tower to another, like on the other side of town or something in in like 10 seconds. So it's not the most reliable, but, you know, they're building a strong case here. He also said that investigators went to great lengths to place a vehicle. Oh, I read that. Uh, his white vehicle, his phone pinged. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe Garagos wants to represent Koberger. Maybe he wants to just get back into the game. Who knows? Pro bono. Because apparently Koberger can't afford anything more than the public defender, right? That's what I read. And good luck getting a GoFundMe going for that asshole. I won't be donating. All right, let's keep it moving. Uh, That was BTK, Cops Puzzled. Oh, so this was also interesting because now that so much information is coming out, I'm going back and trying to figure out, and I might do like a, like a, a whole video just on this subject, which is the rumors from the early days, which are now proving to be true. So FBI agent jennifer coffin daffer coffin wow isn't that a little on the nose okay so the man charged okay so she might have been uh let me take a sip of water i get myself all hyped up to do this show so i can keep the energy up and i get a little bit ahead of myself all right so coffin daffer who, by the way, had a nice tweet about what Dylan Mortensen might have been going through as well. So, you know, but not to revisit that. The man charged with murdering four Idaho college students may have joined online chat groups to discuss some of the facts of the brutal slayings with Internet sleuths. 
He may have been the person or persons making claims about the quadruple homicide case using the Facebook and Redditor handles Papa Roger and Inside Looking, according to former FBI agent Jennifer Coffin Daffer. She was tracking both accounts and says many of the allegations made by the individuals turned out to be factually accurate, causing her to think it could have been Brian. Do you guys remember Inside Looking? Was anybody here on Reddit at in the early days, because I remember, but also, does anyone remember the other account outside looking, which it was spelled in a different way? It was spelled like O U T I O U T I S I D looking. Like there was the inside looking account, and then it was out to side looking. Anyways, they both out to side looking was really trying to pin it on the frats, which the podcast caller Dave was also trying to do. And my theory is that he either latched onto this or created the whole uh, Sigma Chi. I still don't know what Reddit is today. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to send you uh, like an instruction manual on Reddit. OK, so let's read what inside looking. Let's take a walk down memory lane and read some of inside looking's posts that uh, FBI agent Jennifer coffin Daffer was tracking. According to inside looking speculation, killer parked behind the house, approached property through tree line, entered sliding door and left it open, committed murders and exited sliding door. One knife. According to coroner's statement, time of murder, approximately 3:20 AM to 3:40 AM. According to car fleeing scene and on camera on Highway 8, approximately 3.45 a.m. Vehicle left skid marks upon exit. Please see photos before below for more information. So, like, a lot of that sounds accurate, except for the time, which we now know was, like, 4 a.m. to 4.20. Who knows? Maybe he didn't reset his watch at Daylight Savings. But um, it's eerie. Now, I wasn't on so many of the Facebook groups. A lot of them went private, actually. So I didn't see Papa Roger. But this is what Papa Roger had to say. Of the evidence released, the murder weapon has been consistent as a large fixed blade knife. This leads me to believe they found the sheath. This evidence was released prior to autopsies. Now, if that's him, what's that about? Why would you tell us? that they found the sheath. This is where I go back and forth. Like, was he playing a game? What did he think he was going to achieve by revealing this type of information? And this was, again, my first instinctual reaction was all of this was part of some st sick study that he was doing, testing out theories, you know, we know about his confirmed Reddit account with the questionnaire, and now he's doing this, you know, this might be his, this is his, his study, this is his, like, thing, it's his, it's his thesis, it's his final project. Uh, so, you know, I've been thinking this for a while, other people have been thinking this for a while, and now we got Jennifer Coffin Daffer, FBI agent, thinking this, and she was actually paying attention to it. Makes me think, like, are we going to just, from now on, are serial killers and mass murderers, are they all going to be on social media? 
are they all going to be leaving clues? Are they all going to be playing these like cat and mouse games? Like, is that just the way of the future? Because technology has so taken over our lives that even the killers are using it. They're trying to get social media clouds. Well, maybe not him. I mean, it's not like he was posting this on Instagram, but still. You know, this is what Coffin Deffer had to say about Dylan Mortensen. 21, late, possibly under the influence, face-to-face with stranger in black, feet away, froze due to fear, locked herself in the bedroom, believed she passed out. She believes she passed out from trauma, fear, stress. To think you could be killed is gripping. I know. Yeah, I'm with her on that. Uh, There's also, according to this article, uh, Joseph Scott Morgan, a distinguished scholar, thinks that the attack initiated with Kaylee and Maddie, and that's who he was targeting because that's where they found the sheath. Something to think about. And Kaylee's father, of course, has all along basically maintained that he thinks she was targeted. Did I hear the victim's cries from the neighbor's doorbell? I did listen to that. I found it on uh, Twitter. And I don't think I'm going to play it because if it is real, it was highly disturbing. And I don't know, you know, I I, I, I like uh, to discuss the case and all that, but it's just like, it's a little bit too much if it's like actually the sound of them being murdered. And if it's not real, then, you know, what's the point? But I did hear it. And if anyone wants to go looking for, I don't know, maybe I'll like put a, a link to it so you guys can make your own decisions. Um, but it was scary stuff. Let's go back and see if there's any good comments I've missed so far. These freaks want to hold jobs in law enforcement security. They have sick fascination and they fixate on it until it festers into a desire to kill. Studying and playing cop isn't enough. Yeah, I know. Like he wanted to join the force like the Golden State Killer who was a cop. And I think worked on the case or, or like, you know, at least knew about the case. Uh, maybe Brian thought he was going to get that internship and he was going to be able to keep tabs on this investigation. Thought he'd covered his tracks up well enough. Oh, yeah. And did you see he also went back to the crime scene at 9 a.m. the next later that morning? Probably, you know, if he fucked up and he accidentally left the sheath. Probably thought like, oh, maybe I'll drive by and I'll just like see it on the ground and pick it up like what are you doing? Again, stupid. There's cameras everywhere. Even in Moscow, Idaho, there are cameras everywhere. You got your cell phone. Like, stupid, stupid, stupid. And thank God. Yeah, it's definitely hard to listen to. Yeah, you know, it's just like, it sounded real. It sounded real to me. Um, I was watching, I tuned into the T-Rev podcast before this. T-Rev's the guy who had Koberger allegedly call his show. And he was making a point of like, how would this come out if there's now a gag order and, uh, you know, this stuff when it's not supposed to be released. So, you know, good point. Not to say that people don't leak things anyway. Gag order, schmag order. What else we got here? So what do you guys think? 
What's on the minds of everybody else here? Let's read some comments. We're going to listen to the podcast call again. Let's listen one more time. Why not? In a college town, and I've worked with uh, probably at least 10 Sigma Chi members. And, you know, the one thing that every single one of them I, I, I feel like has asked me is, if you were going to kill somebody, how would you get away with it? And I just wonder if maybe, if maybe this is nothing more than some kid in a fraternity trying to prove himself. And that was it. So you said some, or maybe it's a kid in a criminology class trying to prove himself. You worked with five or six Sigma Chi kids and they asked you how, if you can kill somebody, they can get away with it. Yeah. Did I hear that right? You know, that's what's so funny. And uh, I brought this up. Um, this me, it reminds me it's so like, it, remi- it makes me think this is Brian because he doesn't seem like a cool guy. You know, it's so like a lame older guy thing to say. Uh, these kids asked me if, if uh, how to kill somebody, you know, like, and it reminded me of that Steve Buscemi meme where he comes in and he's like, Hey, how do you do fellow kids? This one right here is like, hey, how do you do, fellow kids? Does anyone know want to know how to kill someone and get away with it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Can you believe it? Ten of them asked me. Let's get back to the video. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and my God. I know that's a thing that just, like, maybe people say trying to like have interesting conversation, but like just in my head, it's like, this is, it's always been these, these dudes that were in, in the fraternity. Hmm. And, and so it makes me wonder if he's, he's a novelist. It was the fraternity guys. I know what I'll do. I'll blame it on the fraternity guys. And I'll call into all the true crime podcasts and spread the word and go on Twitter. He did like a full fledged media assault. He was like a PR guy for this theory press releases he was going to be on good morning america i mean he had a whole slate of promotional opportunities to, that he that he booked before this I'm it's sure. a thing that that's in their in their like culture that they ask to see how smart you are and whatever and what kind of answer you come up with and someone took it too far oh uh, who uh, what what kind of dudes would ask you that Brian Koberger asked, oh, shit, that's me. Whoops. Yeah, I agree again. The TikTok guy, as I said earlier, I don't think that Brian, what what sealed the deal for me is that the voice sounds different. The TikTok guy has made TikToks supposedly since then. And also the TikTok guy had videos from the Harry Styles concert. And that just does not seem like Brian. That doesn't fit the psychological profile that I have made for Brian Koberger, a Harry Styles fan. 
Although I do wonder what kind of music he does listen to. The woman that supposedly was locked up in jail said he was rapping Bad Bunny and like violent rap lyrics. I don't know about that either. But I would like to know that type of stuff. What did Brian think about Will Smith slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars, you know? But in all honesty, it is terrible. Uh, he's he's a total cold, calculating, allegedly monster. And um, you know, just to remind everybody, it is it is about the victims. It was tragic. It's like if that audio from the ring doorbell is true, it just sounds terrible. I mean, they were awake. They were not, it wasn't the quick sleep thing. So it's like, it's fucked up. Anyways. Um, all right. I'm going to try to do some entertainment news, but I'm going to take a break. So like if everybody, what did I think about the Smith Oscars? Uh, I thought that he felt, here's the thing. Will Smith sitting there with Jada and Jada it looks at him and he is kind of a captive to Jada Pinkett and her whims. And she kind of has him under control. So like she's allowed to fuck around and have affairs with her son's friends and stuff like that. But Will has to always be defending. I don't know. She doesn't like him. He felt that pressure. He felt like he had to do something. Years of rage against Jada built up and he went up and he slapped Chris Rock. Totally inappropriate. Deserved the suspension. Um, Chris Rock, I feel like, I still feel like he should have talked about it a little bit sooner, but whatever. He wanted to save it for his act. So anyways, uh, let me read some last comments as well. Will Smith is beta and he was drunk. Exactly. I mean, he's not a good guy. Well, no, it's not that he's not a good guy. He's not as good of a guy. I think as Dave Chappelle said, he, he revealed himself to be just as ugly as the rest of us. You know, he's not Mr. Nice Guy. Would someone ask you or I over and ask how to kill someone? No, but they would ask a criminology major. Not that they ask Brian, but the caller is obviously a criminology student. Right, exactly. So it's probably just him making up fan fiction about himself in his mind. Uh, everybody who tuned in for the Brian Koberger stuff, I thank you. If you want to stick around, I'm going to try to talk about some other stuff or maybe, I don't know. Maybe I should do it tomorrow. Yeah, the problem is, because usually this show is about news and entertainment and comedy and stuff like that. But this show, this story, I have been fascinated by this story. And I'm also fascinated just by the true crime stuff in general. So I'm going to keep covering it. But every day there's like new details that come out. So I keep doing shows about that, which as long as everybody's enjoying it, I'm fine with it. So if you guys are having a um, good time, let's do it. But I'm going to see. Maybe I'll, I'll shut it down for a few minutes and then uh, relaunch for some celebrity news if I can get it together. Uh, but if not, for now, thank you all for viewing, and uh, I'll be back. Have a good life. We will see you soon. Much love. Thank you. Love. All right, Daniel. So once again, thank you to my brother. Tell me your name again. Dante Greco. Two words. Made in America. <laughs> Dante, you're doing great. That's good. I want you to leave my good friend Ringo alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how, how? Pretend you're a horse in a parade. Have a good day.